0: straw hut media
1: i think that when we think about allyship there are a couple of things here um yes the tangible things like using your privilege to fund or get funding or provide opportunities um, to trans folks is important. Period. Elevating trans voices is important, um, and there's also just a deeper commitment that has to happen. And this is for, this is universal. So even even for me as a trans person. You have got to figure out what your story is, who you are, where you come from, who you come from. This is something, you know, my dad taught me, you know, you gotta know who you are and and, and who your people are. Um, and the other part that he, he told me is, walk like you know where you're going. So you, you don't have to have all the answers right now but figure out what those values are and stick to them. Um, and I think the biggest thing that everyone can benefit from is figuring out what they need to heal from. What What is that trauma, honey? <laughs> because that's where I really believe the white supremacy lives. That's where the patriarchy lives, the transphobia lives, the classism lives. There's something you need to heal from. And what are the things that bring you strength? And how can you leverage that so that another person can also experience their own strength?
0: As you probably know, the TNLGBTQIA is representative of the trans community. Would you believe me if I told you there are people who have no idea what being trans means? People don't know about the violence that happens
1: within a Black trans community, Um, but they also just largely don't even know or think that they know a trans person in their everyday life. In
0: 2021, We've come a long way with queer representation, but people are still losing their lives every single day just for being transgender. In 2020, 350 trans people were killed, making it the most violent year since the human rights campaign began keeping record. Today, we speak to Raquel Willis, a writer, editor, and activist for Black, Queer, and Trans Communities. She's the former executive editor of Out Magazine, She's worked with the National Center for Transgender Equality, the Transgender Law Center, and she created the Black Trans flag.
1: I'm Raquel Willis, and this is Pride. I am a writer activist, a strategist, and a Southern girl through and through. I'm from Augusta, Georgia, and I bring all of the places that I've been, like Oakland, California, and now I'm Brooklyn, New York, and of course, the glorious people that i met and those experiences with me every step of the way.
0: Raquel knew at a very young age that she was part of the community.
1: Because I had like crushes on like boys in my classes and stuff like that. Um, I, I obviously didn't have language around being trans, um, but I definitely had this like little voice within me that was like, you know, you're a girl, or you should have been born a girl, or all these different things.
0: She grew up in the South with her parents, who taught Sunday school and made sure Raquel was at church every weekend. But it was difficult for Raquel to fully believe in the Catholic faith when there were aspects that didn't align with her own beliefs.
1: I was constantly that kid that asked my parents questions. And there were times where I would be met with kind of that refrain of like, well, just have faith. You just got to believe, you know? And and that just has never worked for me. You know, the, the deeper thoughts that I had around my place in the world um, had to be acknowledged. And I, I just knew that Because I couldn't fully, 100% um, hold this space that didn't see me and and all of my worth, in all of these things that I was starting to know as truths about myself, that, that wasn't the space for me. So, I mean, it was a journey. It was difficult
0: at points. Though her relationship with her faith was rocky, she learned an important lesson from growing up Catholic you need to show up and be there for your community.
1: There is a bit of a understanding that we should show up to support and elevate people on the margins. Now, whether people do that all the time, uh, I don't know, but those are the things that I latch on to from what I learned in my childhood.
0: Her parents were also very active givers. They were involved with their local Red Cross and youth chapter. But even with so much influence around her, Raquel didn't see herself becoming an activist.
1: I really kind of always knew that my queerness, my transness was something special, though I didn't always have like the language or the tools to understand that. Uh, But I will say when I was younger, I dreaded that there was going to come a day where I had to own all of that about myself, and figure out how to see the power in it. And that, that scared me growing up in a very Catholic upbringing, a very traditional Southern upbringing, and of course, a very Black upbringing.
0: Raquel was studying journalism at the University of Georgia when she met people that would change her life forever.
1: And then in college was when I met other queer and trans peers who really believed that we could craft a world that fully acknowledges our beauty and brilliance as queer trans people and so we fought for expanding the non-discrimination policy on campus to include gender identity because at the time I was there it only included sexual orientation Um, and, and I think that that kind of dropped the pin in what would later be activism.
0: She began picking up classes on gender studies and systems of oppression, which only fueled her desire to make change happen. But there were two events that really solidified Raquel's future in activism.
1: It was really the death of a young trans girl named Leela Alcorn um, by suicide that really pushed me to kind of understand that I couldn't be silent, that there was no, respectability in the professional world that was going to keep our people safe and that I needed to be outspoken as a journalist.
0: Then, Raquel attended the Brooklyn Liberation Rally in March, a collective that gathers in the name of Black Trans Liberation.
1: In that first one, there was... something different in the air that day. There was a different energy and spirit that came inside of me and pushed me to share my truth with the world. Um, but it was also just the feeling of being surrounded by so many other truths, truth-tellers and soothsayers and lovers of liberation.
0: Atlanta is home to many social justice movements. The Ebenezer Baptist Church is located in Georgia. That's where Martin Luther King Jr. had his baptism, served as a pastor, and where his family held his funeral. Everywhere Raquel looked in Atlanta, there was history.
1: But I will say during that time, one of the things that was interesting was that I quickly learned how much the South is often ignored even today when we think about Activism and and organizing. You know, the moments of state violence and police brutality, and even the murders of uh, Black and Brown trans women um, that happen in the South and in Georgia in particular, are often um, not discussed writ large. You know, we uh, are kind of considered to be folks from or in a space that is in many ways a lost cause, you know, it's the South, you know, so many holdovers from the Civil War and those ideas of the South in its totality only being about struggle, kind of dominate that larger narrative. And the truth is is that, yeah, there's been plenty of struggle, um, but there has always been so much resistance and power and actually you can't talk about the history of activism and organizing around the country without talking about the things that were first done and tested, particularly in terms of boycotting and direct action in the South.
0: Raquel began working as an intern at Solutions Not Punishment Collaborative, a Black, trans, and queer-led organization working to end violence against their community.
1: And I was working with someone who became a dear friend, Tony Michelle Williams. um, And we were really doing a lot of the research um, around how Black queer and trans people were being profiled by police and interactions with law enforcement in Atlanta. Now, again, this is an instance where I'm I'm working um, in a space that is often overlooked. And so um, a perfect kind of example of this is just two days after the tragic murder of George Floyd, a Black trans man named Tony McDade was killed by police in Tallahassee. And so the kind of disparity between the coverage on that Kind of shows us exactly what's going on, you know, I think there's a way that we even have a hierarchy in who we consider to be worthy um, victims um, and victims worthy of attention. so that work was important for me because it really opened me up to understanding abolition, um, understanding the line between reform and abolition um and It was just, it was a powerful experience. And that work continues today.
0: While in Atlanta, Raquel also worked with the Pre-Arrest Division Initiative.
1: There are ways that people are fighting to make sure that there is less police profiling of particularly Black folks in Atlanta and particularly Black trans folks and sex workers. But the work continues. I mean, we we know um, that within this conversation of police brutality and state violence that we are dealing with a system that by its very nature was meant to, in many ways, harm people on the margins um and so i think a lot of folks have to understand that there is an importance around what is being said with the abolition conversation and it's not one that's just about dismantling or tearing things down but actually and i love what thought leaders like Miriam Kaba and so many more have brought to the fore around this conversation with abolition. That is actually also pulling us to be more creative about the ways that we think about accountability for harm and for violence and so much more.
0: In 2018, Raquel became the first trans executive editor of Out her article, *The Trans Obituaries Project*, won the award for outstanding magazine article at the 31st annual GLAAD Media Awards. The project honors the trans women of color lost in 2019. It
1: was powerful to win the award, but you know, I think the most powerful moments came while it was being created. Um, I definitely had my moments of just like breaking down and um, really confronting this epidemic of violence plaguing black and brown trans women, um, in a different, more intimate way. Um, it was an exercise in going beyond the statistics and going beyond, um, even just kind of, the, the sensationalized talking points and, and headlines to really figure out, well, what is the real story here? How do we humanize uh, the lives of these black and brown trans women who were lost? We need to be talking about how domestic violence or intimate partner violence is connected to state violence, connected to sexual violence, and, and even now I think There are connections that can be made around folks who are dealing with suicidal ideation, right? Because there was a violence that we don't acknowledge that happened for them before they got to that point, overwhelmingly within the trans experience.
0: Journalists are taught to be objective when reporting the news, They're told to remain impartial to all topics and focus only on the facts. But recently, the idea of objectivity has been questioned more and more. How can we cover everything fairly and remain impartial on topics like social justice? Can we broadcast the opposing argument as to whether or not a human deserves equal rights?
1: There are also the invisible values of white supremacy and the patriarchy and classism and Cis-sexism and so much more. And so all of these institutions that exist in our society have to reckon with those invisible values, right? Um, just as we saw conversations about uh, how white supremacy exists within publishing last year um, or even within journalism a few uh, months later, we have to understand that that exists all the time when we're talking about um, our societies around, I, I mean, and not even just in the United States, right? Because we know that um, colonialism has impacted damn near every place on the planet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we have to grapple with those things. And even within our social justice movements or our identity-based movements, um it, it is impossible for for them to be pure. And so that means we have to constantly do the work to make them better um, and understand that they can be in bed with other systems of oppression if we don't continue to be vigilant about how those things can exist there.
0: Someone can be marginalized based on their race, but be privileged based on their class or gender.
1: Yeah, so that means that we have to hold that oppression and privilege are not binaries and that we all inhabit both at some point.
0: When we come back, the reality of being a Black trans person in today's society Welcome back. Today, we're talking to Raquel Willis, a writer, editor, and transgender rights activist. She's worked with multiple organizations to spread awareness of the violence these marginalized communities face, like creating black trans circles.
1: Bringing together black trans women um, in New Orleans for the pilot and and the preceding kind of first um, iterations um, was powerful and it was a it was i think rev- revelatory for other folks as well you know just to acknowledge that oh we can have our own spaces oh we can have our own conversations around what violence just means for us or what trauma just means for us or what healing what joy what love you know what passion means for us outside of always having to discuss these things in comparison to the cis experience or the white experience or men's experiences or masculine experiences.
0: These conversations are important as people outside of the community are not only ignorant to the violence Black trans people experience, but to the existence of trans people altogether.
1: I struggle with that because it's like, if you don't even have a starting point of knowing um, that we exist and that we're just, you know, out in the world having lives like anyone else. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a bit of a, um, jump to then understand the gravity of what we're facing.
0: So, they created these circles where they are able to create their own solutions.
1: We have all the solutions within our communities. I mean, I knew that. Um, But I think that we needed to be able to kind of tangibly see it and experience it and feel it.
0: This discovery was just the beginning. It inspired these women to start their own initiatives, like Mariah Moore.
1: Mariah Moore, who took on the reins uh, after I left TLC, uh, Transgender Law Center, has continued the work there and also started house of tulip down in new orleans with milan nicole sherry you know she has really stepped into her power and is actually running for city council in new orleans currently and so i think that that is so powerful right like that she continued to build on um the power that she felt in that space um to assert her own honor and dignity and say, hey, actually, I can do what these people are doing. These people who have ignored us for so long, and they are two Black trans women, um, building an organization that is looking at creating long-term housing solutions for trans women of color in the area. So that's powerful. And um, other uh, participants in the program went on to continue their work um, with the Cans Can't Stand campaign. So crime against nature laws are are still on the books in Louisiana and oftentimes used to profile and police trans women of color. And so that work continued. So I, I think that the sky is the limit when we have our own spaces to come up with these solutions.
0: On January 20th, 2021, Joseph Biden was sworn in as the President of the United States. On Inauguration Day, Biden issued an executive order to extend protections against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. His administration includes several LGBTQ people, like Rachel Levine, the first openly trans federal official to be confirmed by the Senate. But when asked what more he could be doing, Raquel said this,
1: The interesting thing is, is that, yes, you know, we keep fighting for the Equality Act on the federal level. But of course, we know with some basic ass centrist Democrats who don't understand that people's humanity is at stake, um, are trying to play both sides and and trying to uh, um, keep in place the filibuster that our rights are still going to be in jeopardy. Um, But one of the things that President Biden said on the campaign trail was that he was committed to getting more resources to community efforts on the ground. And so my charge to him and his administration is to actually do that. Move resources and funding and elevation to community-led efforts. And not just the ones that you know. I don't want to see the high profile um, organizations, the largest national ones, the ones with the most name recognition, getting that support. It needs to be the folks on the ground who are the ones that are actually breaking bread with community every day. Being an activist for me is using every fiber of my being, every bit of energy that I have um, to leave the door wider for the next person to come through.
0: No pressure, right? In Raquel's career, she doesn't focus on what other people think of her efforts. The biggest critic in her life is herself. I mean, I'm human,
1: so that is a piece of it. But the, the biggest pressure for me is just staying consistent and um assessing whether i'm doing things or work or making decisions out of a space that is in line with my values that's the biggest thing for me you know there there is pressure because it is work you know It, it does take work to stay committed to your own personal values, because I will always be committed to Black trans liberation. So that that isn't necessarily hard work for me. But I think making sure that I don't succumb to ego, that I stay in a space of humility, Um, all of those things is so important. And I'm human, like anyone else, right? And so I I do have to um, keep that in line. And I I wish more and more people talked about that, right? Like, I wish more and more people talked about how it has worked to keep the ego in check. Um, Because, yes, look, I'm a bad bitch. I know that. I know that, right? But... I am in a community and in a movement um, full of bad bitches. And there have been bad bitches that came before me and there will be more bad bitches that will come up after me. And I always want to give honor to my ancestors and trans to my peers who are doing the work alongside me. Um, And to the ones coming up, uh, I was really um, proud and and kind of what felt like maybe my first like um, auntie moment within I think movement space where at the second iteration of the Brooklyn Liberation March, um, all these young trans folks of color were coming to the mic bearing their all to the world and um, just braver and fiercer and more ferocious um, and more passionate and more convicted in their values and in their own dignity and in their own honor. Um, Yeah, that was powerful for me. So that's what it's all about for me. Um, but it does take work to remember that every step of the way.
0: The Brooklyn Liberation March Raquel referred to took place on June 13th this year. Thousands rallied to protect trans kids, and so many amazing activists stepped up to capture breathtaking content from the event. Raquel reflects on the names of those who made a huge impact that day.
1: Honestly, you know, it, it came together. It came together. Um, the speakers um, list came together, and everyone showed up and showed out. Um, Sheer Avery was powerful talking about um, all of her work, um, but of course, how youth have always been on the front lines, on the vanguard, which is so true when you think about Sylvia and Marcia and how young they were during the Stonewall riots era. Um, Obviously, Queen Jean and Joella Rivera, who have um, reignited the spirit of Marsha and and Sylvia in a different way um, with their Stonewall protests. So that is powerful. and, And I'm in awe of their commitment and consistency because they do protests and rallies every week. Um, and have done that for the last year. Um, Styler Bylar has consistently used his platform.
0: Pink Manta Ray, for those who don't know.
1: Yes, Pink Manta Ray, just powerful. And then, you know, this was a moment as well to raise some new voices that hadn't necessarily had that platform before. So, Anisu, um, a young Black trans man, Um, who is so powerful, was a very powerful student organizer at NYU. When he was there, um, I actually saw him speak. That was the first time. And I don't even know that he remembered that I saw him speak, but um, he was on a panel. um, uh, And uh, Mello, who (laughs) masterfully spoke to what it's like to be non-binary and trans and of Palestinian descent um, that was powerful to witness as well, because I don't think that those global connections happen enough. And so I was so glad that they were able to be a part of um, the experience. So those are some young leaders. There are so many more. Um, There's a young trans girl named Sage who is so sweet, does a lot of work with Gucci Chime for Change. There are... um, many trans youth who do work with um, uh, Truth, which is a program under uh, TLC and Transgender Law Center and um, GSA Network and their Roses Council, which is um, a space for young trans women. So people like Mulani Jackson, um, there's also Willow Brashears who leads the Young Trans Women's Project in Arkansas. Um, which has been a hotbed in this conversation around anti-trans legislation. So there are so many um, around the country, I can't even name all of them. Um, And this is just talking about youth. And this is just the youth that I know, you know, there are so many more that um, I'm excited to get to know um, in the years to come.
0: I knew you were going to mention one of the people you mentioned because That's exactly what I was talking about, that the images that I saw coming out of that event were just, I mean, like, pretty powerful. So I hope everyone who was able to go and and be involved in person knows how epic that really, really was.
1: You know, I always have to give it up and give love to um, the co-organizers of Brooklyn Liberation. Um, There's so many. I'm gonna try and name as many as I can really quickly. Um, Fran Torado, Elio Cruz, Peyton Dix, West Dakota, Mohamed Fiaz, uh, Ian Phil Stewart, Kala um, uh, Mendoza. So many folks. There's so many folks who made it. Um, Sarah Burke, who made it possible. I, I can't even... That was just me spitballing, but there's there's so many. So please um, check out the work and check out their, their work outside of Brooklyn Liberation as well, because I think that's also what's beautiful, is when you can trust that the work that people are doing, even outside of your specific formation with them, is just as in line with the values as that one.
0: When you're looking at today's headlines and you see a transgender person being mentioned, a lot of the time, it's because someone was killed. And though it is bringing attention to the violence that goes on in this world, as a member of the transgender community, It can be terrifying. More and more positive stories about trans lives are making it into the media, because those stories matter. We recently did an interview with Sam Fader and Jen Richards about their Netflix documentary, Disclosure. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you watch it and definitely check out our episode.
1: If you're a young black trans woman out there, um, you have worth, you have value, you can determine your own life um and you have power and that's the biggest thing that you'll have to remind yourself is that you you do actually have power no matter what the world tries to tell you or the government um you have power, and that's not something that can be taken from you. That's not something that can even be given to you. You can't, there's no waiting around for someone to give you your power. You have it, and your charge is to take it and do
0: something with it. To stay connected with Raquel, You can follow her on Twitter at Raquel Willis underscore or on Instagram at Raquel underscore Willis. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. Check out our IGTV for new episodes weekly with amazing queer people. If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me everywhere at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, Ryan Tillotson, and Caitlin McDaniel. Edited by Sebastian Alcala and Daniel Ferreira. Sound mixing by Sebastian Alcala. It's funny you bring up that rally. When I see even just photos of them, I'm like, this is like, we're getting borderline iconic here with this photography.
1: Borderline gives them icon status. (laughs)